Christine. Thank you, Brother Wes. Thank you. Let me see if I can remember anybody else's name. It's kind of a fun challenge for me to try to remember names. So you didn't hear any of that funny stuff I just said. Man, that's okay. We're going to be in Ezra, so if you'll turn there, stand with me, and we'll read our text. Ezra chapter 4. <clears throat> I basically just said my wife is usually smarter than me, and so you didn't need to hear that anyway. Ezra chapter 4. And let's see. Let's just read. Let's just read verse number one, and uh, and then we'll pray. Ezra chapter four, verse number one. Say Amen if you're there. Amen. Okay. The Bible says, "Now, when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the children of the captivity builded the temple unto the Lord God of Israel, let's just read the first three words of verse two. Then they came. Yeah. So God's working to bring revival. And then guess who showed up? The adversaries. And don't you know that happens when God wants to bring revival in our life too. So we're going to talk about that and uh, how that actually is a good thing. Let's pray. Father, I pray for your grace to be poured out on us. We need you. We need your help. We need your blessing. So we pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. How many of you have ever seen a skunk? Raise your hand. Like, okay, you're like, yeah, I've seen a skunk. How many of you have been like close to a skunk? Okay. Rain over it with your car? Isn't that the worst? I mean, when you run over it with your car, it's like the stink never goes away. One time we had a skunk under our house. We had, we lived, I grew up in a trailer house, uh, there in Newcastle, Oklahoma. And a skunk, I see heads nodding, you know what I'm talking about. So, a skunk got under our house and we had to go to a, like a hotel for three days just until that thing was gone. And then when we got home, we had to throw some of our clothes away because it was like that stink was on the clothes and you couldn't wash them enough to get rid of the stink. Now, let me say, you're like, why are we talking about skunks? Because that's what the devil is, okay? He's, he's like a stinking skunk. And his mission is to make life for us stinky. You know, he wants it to be miserable. He wants it to be unbearable. He wants to, like we said this morning, God wants to stir in us the devil wants to stir too, but he wants to do it in a, in a hurtful, negative kind of way. Now let's not forget the devil, or rather the Bible says to be sober and vigilant. Why? Because our adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He's there called an adversary. And he is never stopping trying to hurt, to destroy, to bring low uh, God's people. 
In Ephesians 6, it says this, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the attacks, the darts of the devil. And so he is our adversary. He attacks. He desires to come against us to bring us low. Now, the devil in this context would have loved the adversary, but let's call it what it is. The adversaries of God, the adversaries of God's people, which ultimately is the devil. And what he would have loved nothing more to do than to stop God's work. He would have wanted to stop the building of the temple. And so that's where you have the adversaries coming on the scene. Look at verse 1 again. It says, Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard the children of the captivity build the temple of the God of Israel. So we have these enemies of the inhabitants of the land. They hated Israel. They inhabited the land and they saw Israel as coming back into the land as a problem. And they were determined to stop the building of the temple. Now, it wasn't as though the enemies of God didn't have tactics, though. They had specific plans to destroy the plans of God and God's people. They decided, first of all, that they would join the work, and then with joining the work, they would purposely hinder the work from within. That was their first tactic. Let's take a look at it in verse 2. Then they came to Zerubbabel and to the, uh, to the chief of the fathers and said unto them, look what it says, let us build with you. So we have a group of adversaries and their first tactic in destroying or hindering the work of God, let's call it, let's call it this because it fits what's happening in the text and it fits what God wants to do in our life. They wanted to hinder the revival of worship for the people of Israel. So their first tactic was to join with them so that they might hinder the work. Look at verse 4. Then the people of the land, note, weakened the hands of the people of Judah and troubled them in building. So they joined them and the purpose of joining with Israel wasn't so that they could take a hammer and then they could hand a nail. You know how when you have a good helper, right? A good helper has the hammer and the nail. And when you need a hammer, he hands you the hammer and not the nail, right? So he hands you the hammer. And then when you need the nail, he hands you the nail. And that's a good worker. That was what I tried to be when I was learning how to put air conditioners in with my stepdad who had a business for installing, uh, you know, air conditioning, heating and air conditioning in Oklahoma. And it was, my goal was to be Johnny on the spot. I mean, I wanted to be the guy with like the, the Batman belt with tools. You know what I mean? Like all of the utilities. I wanted to have it. So when Ron needed something, I'm like, hang on a second unbutton it, hand him the tool, you know, I just wanted to be there, and I was young enough so that if there was a, wasn't a tool in my, in my tool pouch, or whatever I had, the bag, then I could hustle and run to the truck and get back to him within like 15 seconds, I mean, that, that, I'm not that I had that as a specific goal, but that's, that's how fast I was trying to deliver the tools, well, you know, that's maybe the makeup of a good helper, but that's not what the adversaries were trying to do, I mean, they're hiding the hand or, ha- hammers under the rocks. Man, I don't know where the hammer is. You guys, I need my hammer. I don't know where it is. I threw, he threw it off the cliff, you know? I mean, they're doing anything they can to hinder the work, to keep the work from going, uh, f- to keep it from moving forward. And so their, their, their first, 
um, the first mission of the adversary, or the first tactic of the adversaries was to sort of get in within the ranks like a mole would get in and then disrupt things from within. And so that was the first tactic. The next tactic was they hired counselors against them. So look at verse number five. And note, it says, hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose. And so you have this group of adversaries who it says they hired counselors. Now, counselors here refers to conspirators. So they were they were literally people who didn't just come in and, you know, like make empty accusations. The idea, the implication of this is that these people were hired to come in and make threats. And so it was, remember the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, whenever he, before he got saved, in fact, the passage where he gets saved, it says this of him, that uh, Saul yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter. That's the idea of these counselors. They came on the scene like somebody who comes on the scene in a building project and they just have a critical eye, but the whole purpose is to shut this thing down. Whatever it takes, whatever threat, whatever you can do, we need to shut this operation down. And so that would have been their goal. These counselors were giving these threats and the idea is they wanted to bully Israel into a kind of fearful position to keep them from moving forward. When I was a kid, there was a bully on our block. I remember I walked to and from school every day, up hills both ways, snow and barefooted, you know. You know how it goes, right? So I walked to school. Maybe some of that isn't true. But anyway, I did walk to school. And uh, on the way back from school, every day, there was this kid who had no life. Let me just pause right there. No life. Total loser. That's my opinion about him. Anyway, he just waited at his door with his front door cracked open for me walking home. And me, I'd forget that he did this, you know. And then he would throw, he's like three or four years older than me. He'd throw the door over, open, and he would start chasing me. And I remember in fear, I would just run down the street, you know, crying. And he's going to hurt me or something, you know. He was a bully. And so I would try to go different ways home on the days that I remember that he did that, you know. That was the idea. He wanted them to be fearful so that they would, the nation of Israel, to be fearful to move forward with the work. He wanted them to stop the work or go some other way and do something else because he wanted them to be paralyzed with fear. That was the second tactic. So the first tactic is they came in and from within they tried to destroy things from within. The second tactic is they come on the scene and they're trying with counselors to frustrate the purpose through these threats. Striking fear in the hearts of um, the Israelites. How many of you, raise your hand if you're afraid of spiders. I do not like spiders. Man, there is not enough hands that went up right there. I, when I was in Oklahoma City, we, I was a youth pastor, and a little spider fell out of a tree and landed on my shoulder, and I embarrassed myself. It was a little one, but it was right there. And by the way, when it's that close, it looks bigger in my defense. Okay? It was, it was an embarrassing moment. I won't tell you how all that went, but I don't like spiders. So a lot of people saw it, too. And if cell phones were as big in those days, I probably would be on YouTube, you know? Um, so I told you I worked for my stepdad, Ron. You know where this story is going, right? So one of the things that it was my job to do is to be the guy who crawls under houses. 
That's what grunt laborers do. That's what the, the guys who have the tool pouches, that's what their job is, to crawl under the houses. Now, when you put an air conditioner in, there are copper lines and electric, you know, like, um, uh, line, like electric lines that would lead from the inside to the outside air conditioner and heater unit and outside air conditioner unit. And it was my job to run those copper lines under the house. Now, sometimes we would do trailer houses that have been there for a long time, but we're replacing the old unit with the new one. And now, if there's a trailer house that's been there for a long time, there's a thing called settling. And so the house, although it was on blocks, the house through the years had settled, which meant, meant there, were only, there was only about 10 or 11 inches from the dirt to the top of the frame of the house. I mean, that's about the same width now. It's probably not now. It's a little more, but yeah, y'all are judging me right now. I can feel it. You're like, yeah, he's put a little more than 12 inches right there. But anyway, so it was just enough for my body to fit under there. And it was sort of like, you know, wiggling my way, pushing the lines, wiggling my way. Now, if you're on the inside job, that's the one you wanted, by the way. You, you're, you, you would have a little thing that you would go through, and part of it was to put a hole in the ground so those lines from under the house can go up into the house. Well, you would, you would cut a hole in, in the ground, and then there would be sawdust, and there would be the, the shavings of the wood as, you know, from the plywood that was cut in the floor. When I got into the, under the house, I would cut open the insulation, and I would peel it back, and then that shavings would fall on my face, and then I would pu push up these copper lines. Now, I'm under this house, and I'm right to the place where I need to be, and it was all I could do to flip over so I'm on my back at this point, so I can see enough to get these lines up there. I didn't have my goggles on that day. I cut open the lines, and I opened it up, and all of the sawdust fell on me just as normal, but then that sawdust started doing this. <laughs> little bit of chills up your spine right now, maybe. These are spiders, friends. And I almost died under this house. Not because of the spiders, but because of a heart attack. So I pushed these lines up there as I'm getting these things off of me, and I couldn't get out from underneath that house fast enough, as you can imagine. Now, I want you to know there's a kind of fear that strikes in your soul the next time you're going to go under the house, any house. You're, you're a little bit more cautious when you cut the hole and you peel it back. You're not under it. You're, you're to the side. You, you want to make sure that those spiders aren't falling on you. I want to tell you tonight that the devil is like the spider. We talked about him as a skunk. The devil is like the spider. He's a creepy thing that we don't like, we don't want to be around. And at times in life, it causes us to be stricken with fear and hinders us from moving in the direction that God wants us to move. And that is a tactic of the devil, even still today, where he wants to hinder the revival that God wants to do in us. But fear gets stricken in us and it hinders us from being revived. But he's not done. The tactics aren't complete. There's another tactic that they have. The, the next tactic that the adversaries continued to bring onto the nation of Israel to hinder the work of God is there was a letter that was written to the King Cyrus by these accusers. And this letter was written to explain to Cyrus that the nation of Israel, the people of God who were building this temple, were actually... Uh, uh, they were actually a nation of rebels. 
So he spoke of the nation of Israel as rebels to strike fear in the king, Cyrus, so that he'll shut down the operation. Look at verse 6. In the reign of Ahasuerus, in the beginning of his reign, wrote they unto him an accusation against the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem. So a letter was written to the king in opposition to the children of Israel by these adversaries to inform the king that he would be wise to stop Israel from building this temple. In the letter, they explained that the nation of Israel had a history of being a nation of rebels. They had a history of being a nation that themselves would conquer nations. And they had an empire of themselves. And if the king allowed them to rebuild their temple and reestablish themselves as a nation, then he would lose control and then therefore they would turn around and conquer him. It's quite an accusation. Question, did it work? Look at verse 21. Here's the report from the king. Give ye now commandment to cause these men to... What's that next word? Cease. So the accusation written in the letter was to keep the work from moving forward. The king sent report to the nation of God's people, stop the work. So if we just read this verse, here's what we must conclude. is Up to this point, the work had ceased. The work was not able to move forward. Therefore, we could look at the tactics of the adversary and say, well, it worked. I mean, it was designed to stop the building and Israel stopped the building project. <clears throat> we talked about how the devil is a skunk. We talked about how the devil is like a spider. I think sometimes we forget that the devil fights. He fights us today and he is determined to stop or to hinder the revival that God wants to do in our lives. And he slips his way in and he's seeking to disrupt what God is trying to build in us. He fights us and watch. He uses influences in our life to pressure us to keep us from moving in the direction that God wants us to go. I think about friends and the influences, the pressures that we feel. And by the way, it's not just friends, but it's uh, acquaintances and family at times. How it, 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 um, it, Listen, the devil will never stop fighting, seeking to disrupt what God wants to do in our life. He'll never stop. He's, he's sly, and his tactics, they, they don't change. And just as we noted by Peter that he is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, he does that still today. And so he uses the pressure of this world, the influences that are in our lives, to cause us to have fear to move in the direction that God wants us to go. Listen, there are times when God wants you to do something and the, the path that He's leading you on is a lonely path. Now, I'm not saying that it's always that way, but at times it's that way. Sometimes it's a path that everyone else is going and you know to be right where God wants you to be, you can't go that way. 
And so you have to make a decision to stand against what other people are doing and they're calling you to come along, but you have to take a stand because you can't go that way in, uh, in, in faith in the, that you're doing what God wants you to do. And so the tactics of the devil are still the same today where there's high pressure from those that are around us, the influences in our life that seek to, to pull us in the direction away from God. <clears throat> Sometimes it's our job. And there are at times demands in our job that are in opposition to what God wants us to do. And so we have a hard choice to make at times. It would be wise for us to take the warning that we would be wise to avoid foolish friendships, relationships, and attachments. Listen to this. In Proverbs 13, it says this, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. One person said it like this, Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. So the devil fights through influences. The devil also fights through by putting us in a position where we might struggle with anxiety or fear or worry in that sense. Fear about our finances. Fear about relationships. Fear about our own health. And so there's a, a fight that goes on in us in the area of anxiety or worry. And the devil uses that. The devil fights and tries to stir us up with conflicts with others. You know, it's like you've heard it all. It's almost cliche where you have somebody on this side who's warring with somebody who's on that side of the auditorium. There's like an internal conflict. Why? What is the purpose or what is the, um, what is the reason for it? Often it's things like offenses, disappointments, you know, usually it's some kind of a misunderstanding. You know, the devil uses those things. The devil uses offenses, things that hurt our feelings or offenses that we have against our brothers and sisters to stir things up and hinder what God wants to do in us. The point is the devil fights. He fights and he is seeking to destroy what the work of God. He's seeking to destroy what God wants to do in us. He wants to hinder God's work in us. He wants to hinder the revival. Now Israel had stopped and God had sent a message of conviction because what Israel needed to do was get back to work. They had stopped the work but it was God's message that they would get back to work. So jump to chapter 5. Look at verse 1. And by the way, before I read uh, verse number... I, did I say chapter 1? I meant chapter 5, verse 1. Before I read verse 1, uh, let me say that uh, God often uses the man of God, the pastor, to stir in us uh, to deliver God's message, not only of hope, that, that, but that we've allowed the devil to, you know, the temptations, the adversary to hinder what God wants to do in us. Look what he says in verse 1. He says, then the prophets. So God sent his men. It was Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Iddo the prophet. 
And here's what they did. They prophesied unto the Jews that were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of God, of, in the name of the God of Israel, even unto them. Now, jump down to verse number five in that chapter. It says, but the eye of their God was upon the elders of the Jews. So the idea is the work had stopped and God had sent the messengers of God, the men of God, so that they might deliver the message to the people of God that you need to get back to work. You've allowed yourself to be hindered by the evil one. And what you need to do is not be afraid of the adversaries, but you need to be in faith in me, move forward. Well, why is that? Well, he said it in verse 5. Look at it. The eye of their God was upon the elders of the Jews. The point is this. The eye of God was on them. You, 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 the idea is that you might have these adversaries, but these adversaries do not have any jurisdiction over what I am doing through you and what I'm going to do in you in this revival of worship in the building of the temple. God says, I have my eye on you. So the adversaries can't hinder you. God was at work despite the, the attacks of the opposition. Note that for a second. Just meditate on that thought for just a second. God was at work in His people, through His people, to bring revival to His people despite the attacks of the adversaries. So God wants to bring revival into our lives. And because of that, we can expect that the adversary, the devil, will try to stop it. It's like it goes hand in hand, right? We, we, des we desire revival. I mean, I would guess that's why we're all here tonight. We showed up again on a Sunday night service so that God might bring revival in our spirit, in our soul. And we're here because of that. And God wants to bring revival to us. But at the same time, we understand that the devil also wants to stop it. He wants to hinder it. So maybe, maybe that's what you have felt. Maybe you have just been going along and there's been some hindrances. Maybe you have felt some opposition. <clears throat> God wants us to see it this way. That despite the opposition, He is at work. And so, honestly, what the devil means... I was just talking to brother, uh, one of the guys before church about this. So... It's as though what the devil wants to do to stop you, actually God can use it to make you stronger. That's such a neat thought. So the devil fights, the opposition comes. As soon as that, that adversary and that opposition, the hindrances, you feel that? Here's what God wants you to think about. Wow, this must mean God's working. So the devil's fighting... And that means God's working. You know what you need to remember this week? You would be wise to remember this. That God wants to bring revival in us. He wants to stir us. He wants us to be close to Him again. The devil fights against that. 
through adversaries to hinder what God wants to do in us. And here's what you can do this week when that adversary attacks you or comes against you. You can remember this great thought. Wow. The devil's fighting. You know what that must mean? God's working. In fact, you should memorize that. When the devil fights, God is working. The devil hates that. When we hone in on his tactics. And by the way, it's not like we figured it out. We just studied the Scripture, right? But he attacks us. He uses various ways to to discourage us and to come against us. But if you'll decide, starting tonight, or maybe you've had something that's already happened in the last couple of weeks. I had a, I had a really tough season. Uh, actually, this would have been months and months ago, and it was uh, just a couple of weeks before our revival there at home. And we went through a really tough couple of days. And, my, and I, said, I said to my wife, I said, Melissa, why, why is this happening? And Melissa said, guess what's coming in two weeks? Revival. And you know what? It immediately, that, that opposition, that challenge that I faced immediately brought joy to me. Because if the, if the devil thought so hard, if the devil thought that it was so important to attack us, it must mean, it clearly means that God is doing something great. We would be wise to remember that. So one time there was a house that was like four feet off the ground. So this is the one of the, I mean, just one side of this trailer house. So my job is to take the lines under there and put them up. On this side of the house, it's real, a lot of space. So these are the kind that I like. It was a bigger trailer house. And so that what they had is a piece of ductwork that connected the two houses. I had to move one of those pieces of ductwork out of the way to get the lines where they needed to go. I moved that duckboard out of the way and there was a snake there. I was out of there. I don't even remember getting out. <laughs> I was just standing outside. That's the next memory I have. Saw the snake, I'm standing outside. It was fast. It was lightning. And I wasn't going back under there. I'm like, forget this. Ron, you're doing this one. Because snakes, I draw the line. I'm not doing it. Ron says, oh, you know, and he went under there. And when he went under there, he was cautious, but the snake was gone. We need to remember, okay, so the devil's a skunk. The devil's the spider. The devil's the snake. And all he wants to do is hinder us. But you know what? We have God who's conquered the devil. We have a Savior who has overcome. And, and so through Him... There's victory. And through Him, there's an understanding of the tactics. And through Him, there's no need to have fear. And, and through Christ, there's no need to have a worry or a concern. In fact, what the devil means for evil, God can use it for good. And so when there's an attack that's in our way, and when there's an adversary and we're feeling that opposition, and it's causing us to be discouraged, it's causing us to be down, it's causing us to be worried, and we're not resting well, and we're concerned about this issue, or these issues, or this relationship, or this status of this particular you know, situation, and it's causing us to, to, to be down about what, where we are in life, we need to understand that what, not only what God can do, or rather God can use these things and He can make good of it, but that 
in these times that we can use that God can use this to cause us to remember this great truth. <clears throat> when the devil fights, God is working. When the devil fights, God is working. And so that's that's the message tonight. So when you face that that hindrance and what God wants to do in us in this revival, let's remember that great truth. I think it'll bring courage to our soul. I think it'll bring uh, encouragement to our soul to look forward to what God's going to do, to keep pressing on. Every head's bowed. Lord, Lord, we thank You for the principle tonight of just seeing that despite the adversary, the attacks of the adversary, that not only there's victory, and not only can we trust that your eye is on us, and you've not forgotten about us, but actually what the devil desires to use in our life to hinder us can be the very thing that causes us to be the most encouraged So I pray that you would engraft that into our thinking. Even tonight, for the rest of the revival, that it might be that there's been opposition and hindrances and attacks of the adversary, but that we can make an observation that when the devil fights, God is working. So I pray that you'd help us to embrace that tonight. I pray it would bring courage and encouragement tonight and for the rest of our services. And uh, Lord, then I pray that you would do in us what you desire to do, that you'd allow us to be that much more open to receive your leadership in our life. And we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the hope that we have in you. And it's in your holy name we pray and ask. Amen. Let's stand together. The piano plays. Miss Elaine will play the piano. If God's worked in your heart, you need to come and do business with Him.